It's Jim. It's the world of bonds. It's Thursday, the 7th of October, 2021. For professional investors only, never ever investment advice. All about the big spike in natural gas prices uh, yesterday. Came off a bit at the close, but uh, did some damage to bond markets early on with uh, gilts in particular underperforming. Break-even expectations for inflation in the UK rising too. Um, and we're over 4% there in Germany. Five-year break-even inflation rates got up to 1.8%, the most for years and years. The US isn't moving so much, uh, perhaps because it's not exposed to Russia turning on the taps or, or off again for uh, gas in Europe, in the same way as uh, we are here. But nevertheless, 2.6% um, five-year break-even rates in the United States, pretty much where they were at the end of the first quarter. So it's really a European story in, in terms of the, the more recent spike up in inflation fears here. The other big story when we get away from that uh, big, big rise in energy prices is about default and about the United States. And it looks overnight as if the talk that this problem gets kicked down the road a little bit. Remember, kicking the can down the road was the big story of the Eurozone uh, debt crisis. We're going to kick the can down to December by the look of things, which was as predicted, but with no real plan to, uh, uh, you know, what happens then. And lots of talk overnight, including Janet Yellen talking about um, whether this would cause a recession, which she thinks it would, whether it would cause immense damage to capital market prices, bonds, equities. Again, she thinks it would. And Moody's came out and said, to quote, Americans would pay for this default for generations as global investors would rightly believe that the federal government's finances have been politicised and that a time may come when they are not paid for what they are owed when owed it. So I thought it was a good idea. Uh, I saw uh, my friend Moritz Kramer, who used to work for rating agencies, tweeted um, a piece from Think Tank member David Beers. He was the S&P sovereign ratings analyst who downgraded the United States a decade ago. So it was August uh, 2011 that the US lost its AAA credit rating. Remember, Moody's still uh, maintained that uh, AAA credit rating, but S&P downgraded. So he's written a, a quick blog, David Beers, on kind of his thoughts a decade on, comparing then with now and explaining why they downgraded it and uh, whether things turned out as they thought they would. So the couple of things he talks about, and number one, when they downgraded the United States, it was about the trajectory of public debt. They look at net general government debt, that's federal debt, state debt and local debt. And that's a slightly different measure than you might look at for the UK or for many European economies. And that's because state um, borrowing and local government borrowing is more important. You have this kind of uh, federalised um, central spending, but you also have a lot of state spending. So you add all of those things up, you net away financial assets, and then they forecast at the time of the downgrade that four years later, i.e. by 2015, that net general government debt metric would be 79% of US GDP. So an increase at the time. Actually, it turned out to be nearer 81%. So, uh, you know, a small miss, a small bearish miss, i.e. it's worse than S&P thought it was going to be when they downgraded it. Then they looked 10 years out and they thought that um, net general government debt would be 85% of GDP by 2021. 
actually um, it's more like 103%. Obviously that's got a bit of COVID in it, the, the extraordinary spending we've seen over the last year on um, extra unemployment benefits, um, paying for medical and equipment and all of those sorts of things and paying for jabs. But even excluding COVID, it was well above that 85% uh, level that they started worrying about effectively. So in terms of the trajectory of public debt, everything came to pass that they, they thought it would. The second piece why they downgraded um, the United States credit rating was around political stability. At the time, Obama was um, the president of the United States, but the GOP, the Republican Party, had a majority. And um, they said, S&P said, that in the absence of bipartisan consensus on fiscal policy, there was going to be a risk. And David Beer says, this time round, it's even worse. You know, you've got 70% of Republicans that are not accepting the certified results of the US presidential election um, a year ago, effectively. So that's something um, that hasn't improved. If anything, it's got worse with that bipartisanship. And you're seeing this if you read the debate about uh, Mitch McConnell and uh, what he's saying at the moment. <clears throat> the article concludes with him looking at credit defaults, what spreads. As you know, um, these are extremely low. Um, but he does point out that the United States credit defaults what spread at around about 15 basis points is the 10th highest in the world. So, um, sorry, the 10th lowest in the world, um, 10th highest in the world would be a cause for concern, but it's the 10th lowest in the world, i.e. pointing out that there are nine sovereigns where people think that default probabilities are lower than for the United States. Now, you know, I think that's a bit tenuous and I don't think people are expecting to suffer losses on the US government debt uh, for the foreseeable future. A technical default, though, is a possibility. And that's kind of is reflected in the CDS pricing. 15 basis points is, is pretty trivial um, and shows that people aren't expecting to experience losses. That has gone up from nine basis points um, uh, a couple of months ago. So there has been a little trickle higher. And if you look at the very short dated measures of CDS, then there has been a bit of elevation. And again, the other way of looking at that is in T-bill prices, so treasury bill prices that um, are maturing around the time of the expected default if it happens, which was the 18th of October, has now been kicked backwards, um, do start to move a little bit negatively um, around that period. So, so that's going on as well. So uh, I think those are the things to, to think about today. The one thing I would say is I'm, I'm still not convinced that the credit rating agencies really know what they're doing when they think about the US debt. And I don't mean that in a, they lack technical skills. They, they, they of course, know the, the economics and the debt profiles and the CBO projections for debt inside out. But what I've never, when I've spoken to them over decades now, they don't, all they're interested in is does the nominal amount of debt get repaid on the date that it was intended to be repaid on? And I don't have any doubts that will be the case. What you could have doubts about is that whether the real value of that debt gets paid back on the date that you expect it to. And that's a completely different matter. And that, and that brings into you know, what the credit rating agencies don't look at is the kind of direct impact of inflation. They do say they might look at inflation in terms of how easy is it for the US to... Um, to borrow in markets, do borrowing costs go up and those sorts of things. But what they don't take account of is, you know, the fact that 10% inflation will half the value of your investment 
over seven years. So, you know, you could argue that inflation is a form of default, but that's not taken into consideration at all. And, and as we know, a sovereign like the US can um, print banknotes to, to repay the debt, talk about the platinum coin and things like that, uh, you know, technical ways of paying back the debt, but not necessarily at the same real value either in inflation terms or currency terms for those big foreign investors, Japan, China, etc. So that's not taken into consideration. I think that it kind of in a way makes those sovereign credit ratings for big um, developed market sovereigns who have access to printing presses. And and that would rule out, for instance, Italy and France and, and people in the Eurozone where they don't have that ability. But for the United States, there is no need to default. And so that means in a way you get a higher credit rating than reflects the the possible reality, which is an inflated away debt or a, a debt that's worth less. You know, if we did have this technical default, you might expect the US dollar to collapse. So those sorts of things aren't considered. And I think that's kind of wrong and makes the sovereign credit ratings for the United States problematic. Have good weeks. Catch you later.